He spent the last 24 years kicking goals on the pitch and striking fear into the hearts of defenders across the country. But now the big man has turned his attention to kicking goals off the pitch. Just Baresi, mate, it's a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks a lot, Tonja. Appreciate it. Thanks for uh, getting me on. Uh, no problems. No problems at all. Now, before we, uh, before we kick off, mate, and before we tell the people all about who you are, I wanted to share a quick story on the first time of how you and me met, which I'm sure I can almost guarantee you don't remember. Um, <laughs> I've actually never shared this, but now it seems like, a, seems like a good time to share it. We obviously worked together for the better part of two or three years at Nike, making one of the supreme dream teams that retail has ever seen. Um, but before we started working together at the main store, I was actually employed to work in one of the city stores and I was stressing out about what to wear for my first day. I was thinking, do I need to wear a suit? Do I wear jeans? What like, is it, is it just, is there a particular Nike product I can't wear? And so I, um, I was like, you know what, I'll go into, um, the high point store, which is around the corner from me and where you used to work. And I'll have a look at what the staff are wearing and I'll just be discreet. I'll duck in and I'll duck out. No problems. Anyway, <laughs> I, uh, I walk through the door and lo and behold, who do I meet? I meet six foot four, strapping young man, Josh Baresi. Um, and I, I genuinely think we ended up chatting for about 20 minutes about God knows what before you got told to do some work by one of the managers. And yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was best, to, uh, best to leave at that point. But do you, do you remember that at all, me coming in and, and trying to bug you about what you get to wear to work, what you can't wear? Oh, I actually, I actually don't recall that. Um, that's funny to hear, though, because I'm sure I had a, a few long conversations with people that I probably shouldn't have spent so much time chatting to. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think that the management would have preferred you were making dollars, but hey, you were making <laughs> conversation. That's all that matters, mate. I was making sure the new employee, you know, was looked after. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> HR would have been happy. Now, mate. Um, Let's be serious here because scoring goals on the pitch, that part is no joke. Uh, you're a bona fide star when it comes to the round ball game. Uh, where where did the love for soccer come from? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I don't really know where it came from because none of my family um, have any relation to soccer, which is actually usually pretty different. Usually um, I've got friends that either their dad played or their grandfather played or something along the lines of that. Um, their mum was really interested in the sport or something like that. But um, I don't know. I just remember maybe like one of the earliest memories I've had, I have of football was um, kicking the ball around with my brother. Uh, we used to have like a set of swings and um, I used to just try and get him in goals and I'd try and shoot shoot at him and score past him. And I would have been about four years old. And I think that that's when my parents turned around and said that maybe that we should um, enroll them in sport. Uh, myself and my brother went and played in the same team. Pretty sure we played under eights, and I was probably about five or six, and he played. He was about seven. So, yeah, I'm, that's probably uh, the best memory. I'm reliably informed that you were uh, compared to a young Leo Messi, just to, just uh, as a young fella, just running around the pitch. <laughs> no, one, no one could stop you. Is that true? No, that's not true. No. Um, I was I was quick and I did have a good left left foot, so uh, I like I like that um, that uh, comparison. But nah, I would not say I was as good as Messi, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't think Messi's as good as you, mate. Um, which which team do you uh, do you support? 
Uh, I go for Arsenal in the Premier League, um, yep. and I've always always loved Real Madrid when I was a youngster, just because uh, my favourite player was in Dean Zidane. So, yeah. No, oh, lovely. Um, now I know that you act like you knew soccer was the be all and end all from a young age, but I'm reliably informed that soccer wasn't actually your first love, and that you grew up wanting to be a professional badminton player. Can you confirm <laughs> that story? Yeah, that's definitely not true. Um, although my although my left hand is as good as my left foot, I would I would say uh, no, I didn't have the love for badminton just like I did for football. Uh, for some reason, mate, you've been strange about your love for badminton. It's something we've talked about a lot, so um, I'll move on for whatever reason. Um, growing up, if it wasn't going to be football, what did your dream job look like? What did you most want to be besides a professional footballer? <laughs> Um, if I'm honest, I always used to have a saying, even through school, that um, it was it was from Will Smith, and it was um, don't have a plan B because it will distract you from plan A. So Ooh, I, like I, I actually never thought of myself being anything other than a footballer, which um, proves to be detrimental sometimes. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess if I had to if I had to answer, I'd probably say. Um, I don't know. I really liked uh, little cars and stuff when I was younger. So maybe maybe something with dri- something to do with driving or something. But I never really gave it much much thought other than football. Yeah, no, fair enough. And um, you've ended up in accounting. So I mean, it's it's pretty similar to to driving in football. You're crunching the numbers. <laughs> you're destroying calculators. I'd say it's uh, I'd say it's pretty similar. <laughs> Uh, no, as as I've gotten older, in, in my older age, I've, I've found an interest in business. So I think that um, accounting and the relationship with uh, business and like seeing how people can, you know, make something of uh, or make something interesting, I guess. I, I, I still personally feel that accounting is pretty dry and boring, but I think within accounting, you meet some really interesting people and some really uh, intelligent uh, businessmen and stuff. So obviously... Um, yeah, that's probably a, a field that I've gone more towards now that I've, uh, you know, obviously with a few injuries in soccer, I've probably tried to focus my energy on um, more business side of things and, you know, try and try and create try and create something uh, off the park as well as on it. If that yeah. makes sense, I tried to try to I try to create something within business now and um, yeah. Well said. Um, yeah, business is uh, extremely interesting, but the accounting side of things. I uh, I stay very well clear of. I, uh, <laughs> I, I battled Most with accounting a couple of times at uni, and I can safely say I never want to look at a uh, a balance sheet or anything <laughs> like that ever again. Um, yeah, look, no, a lot of people don't like it. <laughs> you spent some time with the AIS, the Australian Institute of Sport, um, as a young fellow. What was that experience like? Were you living at the headquarters? Um, in the ACT, or was it just sort of touring with the team here and there? Um, yeah, I actually did a, a bit of everything. Um, first of all, the AIS was an unbelievable experience for me to leave home at a young age, at the young age of 16, um, and go play the sport that I'd always dreamed of playing at a high level. Uh, so sort of a dream come true. Got a scholarship to go to school. Um, down in Lake Junadera College, but we actually, yeah, we were on campus for three or four months until um, the football program actually got kicked kicked out um, and uh, ended up being abilited with a family for a year and a half. 
um, which was an interesting experience. I had um, a family by the name of Bill and Kay, who are a lovely uh, older family. I actually haven't haven't spoken to them for a while. I stayed in contact for a year or two after I left, but I haven't spoken to them for a while. But yeah, they were, we were fortunate enough for them to take us in. And um, yeah, there was a few challenges within like leaving home at such a young age, but uh, definitely made me into a very mature young man by the time I left. So yeah, it was it was a great experience. How does that um, AIS experience work? So they obviously have to balance school and education with um, professional footballing uh, pursuit. Is there is there much focus on the the school side of things, or is that just what they tell the parents? Uh, no, look, they really try and push school with on all the athletes. Um, I would say that half the athletes were, and this was definitely me. Um, the ones that would always say, oh, look, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a footballer and my my school is secondary. I remember having conversations with um, Jackson Cupkey. I'm pretty sure his, I recall his name correctly. He used to be one of my close friends and he was sort of like the um, development uh, with school and football. And he used to always tell us to make sure that we studied because he didn't know what was going to happen. And I always just told him, like, at the end of the day, I'm going to regret not putting everything into my soccer if I'm going to commit to um, school as well. But, you know, in saying that, I know a lot of the boys that I went to AIS with that were studying in law back then and nothing that they've they've become lawyers or they're studying and they studied in, you know, other, other things and they're quite successful in other areas. But um, I'd say that half of them, half of them were like me um, and just didn't, no matter what we were told, um, we just didn't like the idea of doing school because we only like the idea of becoming a professional athlete. So, yeah. It's probably hard to, um, like, balance that school and the, the desire to be a professional footballer at such a young age. Like, yeah, at, at 16, 17, if you've got the choice to hit the books or go out and practice on the pitch, I know which one majority of kids would be choosing, and that would be um, hitting the pitch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, as I looked back on it when I was a bit older with a few injuries, I always thought to myself, ah, oh, you know, I actually had time in the downtime. As an athlete, you have to rest a lot as well. So you've always got that time to study because you're only really, um, you know, you're using the mental side of things. You're not really doing anything physical. So you could obviously study and train at the same time. But I think, um, you know, as a young athlete trying to achieve things, you know, it takes it takes a a lot of stress mentally also so um yeah i mean i don't know for, for me personally um the the mental side of of me uh thinking about whether i was going to study or not i'd just rather commit to training in the morning training in the afternoon than going to soccer training so it was all football and even when i got some downtime i thought about how i was going to become a footballer as opposed to you know, whether I was going to um, put some energy into the next assignment or whatever it was. Um, I still did all right in school in saying that. I made sure that I passed and got through year 12. But, yeah, football was a priority. No, 100%. Um, as you say, in your pursuit of turning football into a career, you left home at the age of 16 to pursue the opportunities um, that the AIS presented with you. Um, and within two years, you found yourself being picked up by the Western Sydney Wanderers. What was one of the biggest challenges you faced being a professional athlete at such a young age? Were you prepared to deal with like the stress and the demand that being a professional athlete 
Thoughts on you? Um, I think that I was well prepared from the Australian Institute, although we always played with um, young athletes. So we always had 16, 17-year-olds around. And even when we played in the leagues, we played the National Youth League, which was, you know, the oldest player you'd play against would probably be maybe 20s, 20, you know, mid-20s max. Um so, and that would only be like one player in the park. Other than that, it would probably be between, you know, the early ages of maybe 18, 19. Um, but um, going into a first team environment was very challenging. So physically, it was definitely challenging. It was, it was really challenging mentally because you put all these expectations on yourself. Um, you know, uh, you, get, you get told and promised things and um, you really want to deliver for people. It, it, it does come down to confidence at the end of the day. I think I went in very confident and um, I think when you sort of, I don't know, the the sport opens your eyes up to what it's really like. Um, it's a very cutthroat, cutthroat sport to say the least and um, it, it can get to you if, if you let it and at a young age sometimes you you don't really know anything else and you let it affect you a little bit more than maybe you should. I think that at 18 I let certain things really get to me where I, I maybe now at 24 years old and a little bit more experience I wouldn't be so bothered by it but um, it's all learning and, and I'm probably a better person for it. Hmm. What do you, It's interesting you say that what do you think some of those um, those challenges were um, looking back on it what do you think the things that you let you like you let them get to you what do you think that or what were they? Well, I can only speak from like a, a personal point of view, and um, just in the in the sort of situation that I was put in at a young age, um, with the coaching staff at that point in time, they were very focused on um, body weight and stuff like that. So um, I was a bit of an extremist, and you know they were saying I was only eighteen, I was pretty fit and strong, but they told me that I needed to like lose a bit of weight, make sure my skin folds were right. Um, and I always believed that I was really fit and strong, but I took that um, maybe a little bit more personally than I should have. I think that it was more of just like um, get get lean over the period of time and me being an extremist and wanting things to happen and not really having any patience at that age. I, I dropped like five kilos within two weeks and like I wasn't eating well and, you know, all of these things start to affect your me- uh, mental state when you're not eating properly, then you're not sleeping yeah. properly, then you know going to training becomes a little bit more of a struggle and you probably feel like there's a lot more eyes on you than than you actually than uh there are uh, is actually so yeah yeah it's to impact your performance but no one really knows um like with you what's going on behind closed doors so they just see oh josh's attitude at training's down or his performance at training's down when really there's there's so much more to it yeah definitely yeah i mean um it's funny because you know sometimes people responded to you know me losing weight really quickly and they might have thought oh that was like brilliant you know and they're like oh look at him he's really like he's done very well but not knowing that i've probably done it like an unhealthy way not a healthy Mm -hmm. way to lose weight so quickly um is like good because i've done what they've i've been told but i actually haven't done it um (laughs) the way that i probably should have which uh you know, the, that just sort of sums up, I guess, um, in the in that environment where it's so cutthroat, you sort of want to, want things to be done quickly and uh, you need the results quickly. Otherwise, you're just going to get sort of swept aside. Yeah, 100%. Um, mm. 
Mate, you've been around the block when it comes to clubs from your junior career with the <laughs> Institute of Sport, which I touched on. Um, you've been through the A-League, the, the MB, MPL. At what level was soccer most enjoyable to you? We often hear that athletes in codes like AFL lose their passion for the game and it turns into more of a job due to like the 24-7 nature of the business and the mm. stress involved. Was that the same for you? Or did, did you enjoy those stints in the A-League just as much as you enjoyed playing at a grassroots level? Um, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I always try to tell myself that, um, I just love football. So no matter where I, whether, whether I'm playing it professionally or semi-professionally, um, you know, it's, it's not really the game that's ever going to make me feel down. It's probably more the, the people involved or, um, you know, the exterior things that can affect my football, like injuries or something like that. Um, but I would, I would say uh, I always have a laugh with my friends that the the most enjoyable my football was, and I probably took it for granted because I never wanted to play school soccer, but it was actually school soccer at a young age. Um, I really enjoyed it. I, even now I probably get the most joy out of playing like an indoor game with my friends where it's, um, you know, there's no real pressure and uh, you can have a, a, a laugh and you can really express yourself and how you'd like to play football without – too many people um, judging you or, you know, telling you to play a certain way. I think that that's the most enjoyable. But at the same time, I, I did love playing professionally. And um, even though sometimes it becomes a little bit more of a mental strain, I think that that's just the the environment that's around. It's not actually football itself. Yeah, no, well said. And just on that, do you still have sort of the desire um, to take the, the football into the next level? Or are you happy with where you currently sit? <laughs> um, I would be lying if I said that I uh, didn't want to play at the highest possible level. Um, still, I after I did my second ACL, um, me and you have spoken a bit about a few of the injuries that I've had and I've had my fair share, but um, after I did my second knee, I, I promised myself that didn't matter what age I got to, I'd still strive to play at the highest possible level. Yep. Um, and that was just a goal that I had as a young kid. And even even if the game sort of breaks me and breaks my heart at times, um, yeah, I always tell myself that it, it's football that puts that, you know, genuine instant smile on my face when I go, go to play and I just want to try and give back. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I've put enough enough time and energy and effort into it to still play at a high level. So, yeah, I'd be lying if I said no. But at the same time, like I, I'm, I'm accepting of the fact now um, that if I don't make it, I'll, I'll probably be okay as well. Um, I think at a younger age, I, I uh, sort of maybe feel, felt a little bit more entitled, like I deserve to have made to make it in football. When you know, sometimes that's just not the case. Life doesn't have in plan, or it doesn't go the way that you always expect it to go. Even, even despite you putting all the work in and stuff, it, it doesn't really matter. Like. Um, sometimes it can be a little bit unfair with injuries or whatever, and you just got to, you know, try and uh, go into a different direction and maybe pursue something else that maybe you didn't like in the first place, or, or well, not like, or like everything that I do, I like, but maybe you didn't see yourself doing, and you find joy in now, you know. Yeah, no, well said, um, mate. As you said, we've uh, we've known each other for a while. We're pretty good mates, and you know that I'm not a massive fan of the world game, as they call it. Um, <laughs> but you don't need to be a soccer fanatic to have an opinion on the one question that divides fans across the world. Who's the better player, Messi or Ronaldo? 
Um, I think this this also comes down to just like how, how you see football and stuff. I love Messi because you know I think that he plays it in a different manner. Um, he's just so skillful and he's like a true footballer. But Ronaldo's a perfect athlete, so you know he's fit, he's fast, he's goal scorer, he's strong, he does everything right. You know he's an absolute machine. But yeah, I'd say personally, Messi. <laughs> Messi. I, I just reckon they're um they're both lucky that I didn't choose to play soccer. I would have I would have been. <laughs> No, they would have been. They they both would have been some part of me. You definitely would have ran rings around both of them. A bit of a uh, a confirm or deny story. Um, you used to live with a uh, Newcastle Jets teammate, Scott Neville, um, and he says that he says that you were a great house guest. He says uh, he loved living with you, but there was one thing that that really pissed him off, and that was that you used to wake him up at night celebrating so loud. Because you'd scored a goal on FIFA as your sweat. <laughs> Can you confirm or deny the fact that you would routinely play as yourself on FIFA? Uh, I don't know about waking him up at night, but I didn't mind getting the ball with uh, myself on FIFA and trying to dribble a few people. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. Uh, that, that's, a, uh, that's the confirmation I needed, mate. <laughs> that's brilliant. Now, mate, beyond the round ball game, there's a few things that the listeners should know about you. The first is that you used to be renowned across Australia as a bit of a ladies' man, um, a little <laughs> bit of a, a heartbreaker, if you will. That was, of course, until you met the love of your life, a past interviewee <laughs> and a good friend of the show, Olivia Tyler. If there was ever a modern-day Romeo and Juliet love story, it would be based on YouTube. Do you want to run us through the story of how you met, or should I? I would love to hear your version of it because yeah, it is a it is a, it is a beautiful love story. But yeah, go for it, Tom. So I'm uh, I'm reliably informed that um, Liv messaged you um, on New Year's for a party that didn't end up coming, uh, didn't end up happening. Um, but you were already on your way, um, and so so instead of turning around, you thought, you know what, I'll uh, I'll meet her out. Um, I'm 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 a confident young man. And you came bounding, bounding through the door. Um, a, a little game of Uno got got uh, a little bit PG-13 and you lent in a little bit of kiss on the cheek um, and you pulled back and said, well, that was a long time coming. Liv, Liv maintains the fact that she had no idea that it was coming. It was unexpected and that um, she, didn't, she didn't actually start liking you until a while after. What, what's, what's your version of events? Uh, look, you know, Liv's, Liv's got a great poker face if you know her well. She um, she won't tell you much uh, and she'll, she'll stick to her guns as well. So, you know, I'll, I'll let the listeners try to decide whether that's true or not. <laughs> um, now, that's the first thing people need to know. The second is that you are a, uh, a budding businessman um, looking to take the fashion world by storm. The Australian Kanye West is what you've been uh, referred to, right? <laughs> Uh, you've recently kicked off a clothing line called AJ Rose. Uh, AJ Rose. Where did the inspiration for that one come from? Has fashion always been something you've been keen on? Oh, that's brilliant, Kanye West. Um, <laughs> uh, look, I've always had the idea in the back of my head um, when I was probably about 18, 19. Uh, actually, one of my friends was doing it. His brand is What Is Art, and I always thought that it was cool. And, um, you know, for me to be wearing my own stuff all the time was just something that I, I don't know why. I just thought it was a really cool idea. And, um, yeah, as, as I was saying previously, like at, when football doesn't really work, you start to think of other things where, you know, maybe you might get a little bit of joy out of um, 
I really like, yeah, I really like um, certain clothes and certain styles. Uh, even though I'm pretty plain, I think that most people get around it. But if you see this stuff on AJ Rose, it's everything that I, I would like to wear personally. Um, I actually, the the thinking behind the brand is not for me though. So, um, my brother's very uh, creative and, and artistic, can draw unbelievably. Unfortunately, I'm not. Um, <laughs> no, I've seen, I've seen some of your artwork firsthand. It's uh, it's a modern day Picasso. <laughs> oh, it's not great. Um, lucky, lucky we've got the internet these days. Otherwise, most of my designs would be pretty average. But um, yeah, the idea is behind. It, it's actually AJ stands for my brother, so my, it's my brother's nickname, and the Rose is my little sister's middle name. So the brand's actually created to. Um, try and, you know, reunite the, the three of us. We were very close when we were younger and, you know, events happen in life and um, I just wanted to create something that would, would be a positive outcome from everything that's happened and, you know, get us all together and designing things and having a laugh and stuff. That's really what it's all about. But, um, yeah, it's been going really well um, and I've been enjoying it so far. So, yeah. No, lovely. What's been, the, um, what's been your favourite part of being sort of a business owner and what's been the most stressful so far? Um, Favourite part is probably the fact that I didn't have any expectations going into it. Um, I just sort of created something. um, Like I just sort of said to myself, all right, let's do this. I've been thinking about it for a little bit, but I didn't really have any expectations. And I think that it like the whole process of just like making sales, like every time a sale comes through, even now it's like, Oh, someone's actually bought something, which has been really quite, um, quite cool. Um, and just, just, uh, yeah, the fact that I haven't really, hadn't really said anything saying like, Oh, I want to make X amount of dollars or anything. I just like when I, when I, I remember when I put it online, um, for the first time, and I was just like, I think I was with Liv at that time and I said, fire out, like, I don't even think I'm going to sell any of this stuff. And then I ended up making a sale, like, within the first couple of hours. And I was like, whoa, like, someone's actually actually wants to wear my stuff, which was really cool. Um, yeah. And even in, two, even in two months, we've come a long way since then. Um, we've, yeah, you know, there's there, there's uh, been a, a lot of my friends wearing it and, like, a lot of people that have bought it, which I don't actually know them, which is, like, is uh you know one of my goals more recently is to see someone you know walking around wearing my stuff um that i don't know which would, which would be really cool uh but yeah that's sort of where it's where it's at the most challenging thing i would i would say um just trying to uh be consistent with it always always making sure that there's content now always trying to bring something new bring something valuable to to everyone um that's probably the most challenging but at the same time it's been really enjoyable so yeah yeah mate you um you, you hit the nail on the head like it was sort of similar setting up this you think i was thinking who who's going to listen to this like no one's going to want to hear what like i'm saying um i mean i've got a i've got a head for radio but i unfortunately don't have a voice <laughs> for it um, <laughs> But in saying that, like I was checking the the feed the other day, and I had a one person listening in Mauritius, and I didn't even know where Mauritius was. <laughs> how, do I, how do I have a listener here? So, I mean, no, first of all, good day to my one fan in Mauritius. I, I love you. Um, but yeah, that's um, pretty similar. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, I know. Even yeah, sending orders around Australia or something like that—it's really cool, man. It's uh, yeah, and you know, you're doing excellent with these um podcasts. And like I've said to you previously, 
the amount of awareness that you're creating around it is just, you know, you, you're probably helping 10 times the amount of people that anyone could imagine. So, yeah, credit to you. No, I appreciate it, mate. Um, so, mate, people are probably listening to this at the moment thinking, far out, this kid's 24, he's already made it onto multiple A-League rosters, he's played against Juventus, um, he's even scored goals on FIFA playing as himself. What's not to love about <laughs> Unfortunately, though, um, your career to date hasn't panned out the way you'd probably planned it all those years ago, kicking the ball around as a young fella. Um, you suffered a fractured back at age 18 during your time with the Wanderers, which kept you out for a large portion of that 13-14 season. Um, you then suffered an ACL injury in a pre-season friendly against Juventus, as I said, in your first year with the Newcastle Jets. And while you recovered, um, ended, up, ended up playing a role in their National Youth League, you've sort of had constant setbacks with knee trouble over the, top, over the, um, over the years. When you reflect back on those injuries and all the setbacks you've had, what's been the hardest part to come to terms with? Um, well, that's a great question. Uh, I really think that the hardest thing to come to terms with is that I used to wake up every morning at maybe 6.30, 7.30, even from the age of 10, 12. I'd either go for a run or, you know, when I was at AIS, I'd make sure that I woke up before school and, go kick the ball against the wall and train and train and train. Every event like that I can remember, even when I was at Wanderers coming back from injury, all of the hard work that I put in, I always promised myself when I was waking up that I would be rewarded for my efforts. And um, I think that the hardest thing that I still struggle to come to terms with today is the fact that, you know, I told myself or I genuinely believed that that hard work and that effort would get me somewhere. And I guess I feel, yeah, like I said before, that that bit of entitlement where I think that I've worked hard enough to be playing at a certain level when that's just not the way that it goes sometimes. And, you know, maybe maybe I don't. Maybe that's just um, a false, false entitlement, like sort of a false perspective that I've got. But... Um, I think that that's been the hardest thing to come to terms with. Like I, I always believed that I had the ability. I just think that my body sometimes let me down. Um, and and I did I did struggle at a young age with more of the mental side of things. Um, you know, I, I was was always a little bit more analytical than everyone else, and I used to take things a bit more to heart than I probably should have. Um, you know, just probably got offended by what people had to say or. Um, you know, I used to go home and just think and think and think when you should just be really enjoying your football and focusing on trying to progress and get better as a player. Um, I think that, that there are some things that, yeah, would still sit with me and maybe I regret a little bit. Hmm. Was it was it that level of belief that you had that motivated yourself to get back up after each setback and endure the rehab process and try again? Was it Was that level of belief that, yep, this will pay off eventually that got you through? Yeah, I mean, sometimes the belief didn't actually come from me. Um, I think that the more injuries I had, the more belief I, I actually got within myself. So after the first injury, I remember when I was about 18 and fractured my back, um, throughout the whole year at Wanderers, I actually didn't believe that I was good enough to be there. I just remember telling myself I'm, I'm not good enough to be here. There are too many good players around. But I never really considered the fact that I was 18 and probably one of the youngest players on the list at that time. Um, 
And as I got more and more injured, I actually probably sort of grew that self-belief a little bit more. But it was it was people that – it was the sport that I had around me, the professional footballers, like big players like Shinji Ono um, telling me that, you know, the quality that I have is, is something that you don't see often in young Australian footballers and um, to just always – believe in my technical ability and always to concentrate and work harder and make sure that I get my, my mind right, which was which was big advice that I received at a young age. So, no, yeah. well said. And it shows how important it is having, yeah, mentors in the right place at the right time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, at what point did these injuries start to impact? You talked about it before, but start to impact on your mental health. Obviously, being such a young kid, at the time, um, being so isolated from your family, it can't have been easy to go through something like this on your own. So can you think back to a time where you noticed that your mental health was deteriorating? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, that, I think that I always had issues with my mental health at a young age and um, I think that football was always like a release for me. Like, I'm not saying that I had terrible issues. I, I think that I was just like any other normal normal kid that got down um, about certain things and I had obviously big aspirations and I, I feel like I was a very high achiever and a bit of a perfectionist and like if something didn't go my way I'd actually get get down in it um, so there would there was times when I would be very frustrated injured just thinking to myself I can't like I don't have the power or like I physically cannot do anything to improve myself or to get better and that would be very frustrating and I guess you can find yourself in a little bit of a, a hole, but um, I would say that the first time I did my ACL, it was really positive for my mental my mental like headspace because I had such letdowns at Western Sydney, and I was I had to come to terms with the fact that I had been pretty much promised the world, but um, you know the injury got sent me back, and you know I was, I was still totally understandable for them to let go of me because they had other young kids coming through, but just for me to come to terms with the fact that I had such promise. And it didn't go the way that I would have liked to. And the experience there was, you know, pretty dull and made me feel very down. I think that the second ACL was a bit of a real, oh, the first ACL, sorry, was it was a bit of a realization that, um, you know, you can be, you can build your body, you can um, fix your your mentality, and you can and you will be good enough when you come back. Just because previous to that injury, I was playing um, really well, and I I didn't really. Um, feel that confident in myself yet I was still getting really good praise and stuff that was just before the Juventus game so yeah no that's um no well said um we we move on to 2019 um you're no longer in the A-League system but you are playing some terrific football um in the MPL I believe it was with Bentley Football Club during Mm. the start of the season there was some pretty strong links between you and I think it was Western United um the, the new side in Melbourne with your career tra- trajectory finally looking like it's sort of getting back on track. Unfortunately, though, injury struck again. Um, and not only did that chance of getting back into the A-League dissipate again for the moment, you also ended up losing your contract later on with Bentley. What was um, your state of mind like then after all of those injuries that you've had in the past and then this injury in particular, given all the work, as you said, you've put in with past setbacks of previous years, what was the mental toll like for you? Um, yeah, I mean, there was whispers, but there was nothing too great with the Western, Western United. Um, but I was, I did start really well and there was a lot of promise. Um, the injury 
was probably the most I've been affected by an injury. So I always sort of found, I always sort of saw the light at the end of the tunnel, if that makes sense. Um, yep. With this one, it's probably still affecting me a little bit now. It's, it's actually, it, it feels okay now, but it's not perfect in my head. Um, there's like a calcified bone in between my tip and my fib, and unfortunately I've seen about seven doctors and no one seems to uh, have the exact cure on how to fix it, whether operating on it or something like that. But um, I can still run and stuff. But, yeah, the, there's something that's, um, I guess I could say, has disappointed me. Um, if Bentley people are listening to me now, that they, they could hear this. It doesn't bother me. I still have so much respect for all the boys there in the club. And, you know, I, I do really, um, really love the, the club there. And I really have been the happiest I've been at Bentley playing football. Um, I think that it's just like a, the respect level of just like a callback saying, oh, you know, um, I understand that you're injured, um, you know, and your injury had affected you after round five all the way through to the end of the year and we're still not sure where your leg's at, which, um, you know, uh, I, I sort of had to make the phone calls to say, oh, you know, where are we at? And I, I still to this day haven't got a phone call back saying like, oh, you know, like we appreciate um, you know, you playing for us with a with on one leg or whatever, which obviously, like, that's just my expectation. That doesn't mean that anyone should do these things. I think that it just comes down to, like, you know, my my personal morals and my beliefs is just that, you know, people in, in sport in general should be more, um, you know, just uh, at the end of the day, everyone's human. And if, if, I, if you don't think that I'm going to be fit and – and, um, you know, it's sort of been a bit of the case in my football career that if you don't, you know, you feel like I'm not fit enough, then that's fine. But it's just like takes a courtesy like, OK, well, you know, I don't think that um, we're going to sign you because you're not 100 percent, which is which, in my opinion, is totally fair enough. Um, I think that, yeah, just the just the respect of a phone call would be would be nice, you know, just to just to help people understand, I think. Yeah. Um, to everyone out there that uh, has, you know, maybe is a little bit hard on themselves or has, you know, a, a mentality or a struggle with, like, you know, being a bit of a perfectionist or you have injuries and you don't really understand. Yeah, I guess that um, it would be nice for the, the sporting world to just communicate and say, look, you know, we understand. No, well said. What were some of the, um, the emotions um, or feelings that you were – your feeling around that time was it just sort of a general sadness was it a bit of hopelessness what were some of those feelings that were running through your head um it's obviously a little bit difficult for me to to speak about because it's probably the first time in my life where I've actually felt that around that time where I was trying to play on one leg and I couldn't play to the ability that I would have liked to yet I was still showing up to training and stuff still going to a job that at that point in time I didn't really like um, and I was sort of going home and just lying in bed and, and I recall just like thinking to myself like nah you're okay like you know it's, it's nothing you'll get yourself out of it you'll get yourself out of it for a couple of months and I just felt this like down sort of feeling that I, I don't know it was almost like I was detached from it but it was there and I just couldn't figure out what it was and then it just sort of hit a point I remember 
after a couple of months and just towards the end of the season, I just hit this point where I started writing some things down um, and it was like a big realisation in what I was writing that sort of made the connection with how I was feeling because I was just pushing it away. Yeah. And then I sort of realised like, oh, okay, like this is where I'm at without saying too much. It was quite, you know, um, it was quite a wake-up call because I didn't really think that I was that sort of person. I, I just thought that I was strong and I think that, you know, it doesn't really matter. I think it can happen to anyone, um, that sort of depressive state or, you know, feelings of thinking that you're just not good enough or whatever it is. I mean, you know, at a young age, I've always been really hard on myself and stuff, but I never really got myself into a rut, so to speak. So Yeah, and it's interesting you say that because – at this time, we were actually still working together at Nike and I can look back and reflect on that time now, obviously in hindsight, and identify a few key indicators that should have told me you were struggling. But as we know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And at the time, like I'm sure me, like many of the people we worked with, were completely oblivious to what you were going through. Um, why did you choose to, to keep those, those struggles or that state of mind private as opposed to speaking up about it? Um, I don't. I think. I think that there was a few times where I was like down-ish. I think that the, when I was most down, I was at like AMP. So I started the new full-time job, um, and those struggles was because maybe if it was at Nike, you know, there was a lot of people that I could really speak to and relate to. Uh, I think at AMP, I was still sort of fresh there. There wasn't really anyone that I knew too well, so I didn't really have, think that I could speak to them. I've always been a very open person, so I was probably still talking to my mum about how I was feeling, but I never really made the connection. So I would say I just never spoke out about it because, I, first of all, I didn't want to believe that I was, you know, maybe um, really down or, you know, I, I don't really like to use the word depressed, but, you know, maybe I was I was depressed for a little bit, but um, I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to believe that in my head because I do feel that it, it's got a lot to do with your, you know, myself telling myself that I'm depressed. So I don't. I don't like to self-diagnose. I just like to deal with it and try and get on with it. But I think that um, you know, if I could go back, I would have spoken out or would have tried to realize these things a lot earlier. Maybe when I first started the job, um, you know, I, I enjoyed the job for the first month, but after that while I was struggling with soccer and the work I wasn't really enjoying. I wish I could have just pinpointed that point and been like, okay, let's stop this here before it goes any deeper. And I think yeah. that when I realised how affected I was by it, it was almost too late and I couldn't I couldn't help myself like I needed help at that stage. Yeah, and that's, that's the next thing I was going to ask was whether or not it, this is something that you've battled yourself or have you gone and sought out um perhaps expert so like a psychologist or some other someone else to talk to professionally um well i haven't no i actually used to speak to a psychologist when i was younger at the australian institute of sport yep um because yeah i would i was just too much of a perfectionist and i'd get myself really down over things that i probably shouldn't used to beat myself up over like small passes that i missed or whatever because i just wanted to be like great at, at football, like I wanted to play at the highest level, I wanted to compete with Messi's and Ronaldo's. So, um, and, and then. <laughs> yeah, and yourself. So, yeah, I think I, I used to I used to go see a psychologist, and I think that 
Um, I like to pride myself on being self-aware. So um, it slipped away from me and I was sort of shocked. And then when I sort of realized, I just, I didn't seek professional advice, but I just tried to seek all the support of my family and friends as much as I possibly could. And I just made sure that I was as open as possible. And I didn't really care about what people thought about whether I was crying or whatever, because like I knew that I just needed to get out whatever I had sort of missed within the other weeks and just sort of maybe held down because of other things that have happened um, yeah. within my life. Um, mate, but yeah. Now it's interesting you say that. And I had a chat with Brendan Ma, who I did an episode with a few weeks ago, and he said something pretty similar that the demons that keep us up at night are a, a lot less scary when we share them with a friend. So you obviously talking to your your family and yeah, not being afraid to cry or not being afraid to talk about how you feel. It makes such a big difference as opposed to just continuing to, you know, push it down, push it down and just try and ignore it. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so mate, we touched on AJ Rose before. Um, and as much as I love the brand and the kit that you guys are putting out, it does represent so much more than that, as you touched on. Um, if you're up for it, can you talk us through the more personal meaning that the brand has to you and your family? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, that's that's the sort of idea behind it. So basically, I'll try and summarise as quickly as I can, but um, my brother, who I was very close with as a young a uh, young kid, we grew up together, playing soccer together, boys together, and then I obviously left for the Australian Institute of Sport. And probably around that time, um, my brother got into drugs, um, just using and abusing drugs, which is, um, well, I would I would say personally due to uh, maybe some childhood experiences, but um, you know I won't go too far into that. Um, whatever my brother didn't deal with, um, and maybe uh, didn't seek the help within the people and the friends and the family around him, or maybe he just didn't have the right support. He sort of maybe tried to find it in an exterior, exterior substance. So like um, started off with small drugs and ended up using heavier drugs. And um, it really pushed um, everyone sort of away. He pushed everyone away. And, um, you know, I could, I could tell some pretty traumatic um, things that have happened, but I, I think I might leave those ones out. Um, but yeah, long a long story short, he um, he was a bit of a nuisance for a couple of years. Um, he wasn't himself. He, he's usually a very kind-hearted, um, giving person. Uh, he always he always worried, like always cared about others over himself. But I don't know, just drugs seem to get the better of some people. And you know, I'm I'm not blaming um, just the substances because he made the decisions to use to use these things and to turn them into into the person that he was. So. Um, yeah, I think I think that anyway. Long story short, sorry to ramble, but he he made a mistake um, and he was charged and is currently in prison at the moment. Um, and he even I, I speak to him today, which I'm very grateful that he's you know back sane and himself again. And he'll probably be the first one to say that he doesn't regret what he did because it makes him a better person for it. But you know, um, he doesn't regret like taking drugs and stuff. He does still. Re- regret or wish he didn't do the things that he did but um yeah he he wished that he didn't push so many people away and and he he doesn't have to sort of you know people look down to him at the moment because it's not the person that he is no and so the um the brand is more just to obviously bring that that family back together because i know 
I know you personally, like we're pretty good mates and you are such a family man. Um, it's obviously such an important thing to you. So obviously doing this is just a way to include everyone back again and, and just rejoin rejoin those connections. Yeah, that's it. Well, I created the brand just um, to give him something uh, for when he gets out. He can maybe design and, and help out and keep his mind occupied. You know, that's the idea behind it, whether it works or not. You know, he might, he might not even like it. It was just... Um, it was just something that I really, I really wanted for him um, to get people uh, to smile and, and have something positive to, to come out of a, a bad situation. Um, but yeah, I am, I am a very close. We are a very close family, and um, you know, my mum supported him so much, and my little sister as well. So we want to try and yeah, come, come together within it. Uh, that was the idea behind it, and just make sure that. You know, if he gets out, um, say it's in nine months, a year's time, that he's got something there um, for him to keep his mind occupied and, you know, enjoy doing with, with his family. And I guess that's what it's all about, just smiling and making sure that we can we can talk about things, whether it's whether it's the, the business, you know, uh, whether it's AJ Rose and, you know, maybe ideas, bouncing ideas off each other or whether it's something completely different. We've still got that, um, that base of a relationship where we can, you know, uh, I don't know, communicate a little bit more freely, I guess. No, beautiful, mate. Um, at just 24 years of age, I'm sure it feels like you've had the cards stacked against you in a way, given all the things we've touched on tonight from the family um, history to the, the injury history. In saying that, I'm, I'm sure it's also allowed you to, to develop in a way that not many kids um, our age would be able to relate to in terms of maturity and emotional intelligence. So in terms of mental health, what do you think has been the most important lesson you've learnt along the way? Um, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, the most important lesson that I've learned would have to be, yeah, being self-aware, um, making sure that, you know, the decisions that I make are because I want to make them. Like, so, for example, if, you know, someone's doing the wrong thing, I need to be, like, conscious enough to be maybe thinking a little bit more about um, my family and, and things that are, are going to affect me long term. Um, I don't know, self-awareness is a big thing. I'd also say for from a mental health point of view, just speaking out, making sure that whatever's on my mind is, is spoken. I'm sure if you spoke to my mum, she'd tell you that I call her when I was in Melbourne living there. I'd call her at least once a day. And if I was feeling pretty down, I'd call her a, a bit more than that. I think communicating is a big part. And if you've got, um, you know, if it's not a, if it's not a like family member, it's a friend. Um, you know, I've I've got supportive friends. I'm lucky enough to have supportive friends around me that I can talk to, even if they get tired of hearing my my stuff all the time. They're, um, you know, I would just say, I would just say, speaking out as as often as possible. Like, there's there's more people. Um, then you think they get affected by these things and it's not like you know you don't have to be diagnosed with uh, your your um, you know clinically depressed or whatever it is I think that you know everyone has their down days and you know to communicate those things as early as possible before they get you into a bit of a hole because it can really you know anyone can sort of fall into it it's not it's not anyone's fault life sometimes gets the better of you and I guess just communicating with people and, and making sure that you're you're conscious and self-aware will, will hopefully um, get you out of the tough situations. But you know, at the end of the day, perspective is a big thing, and I I'm, I can only speak from my perspective. No, hundred percent. And um, as you say, mental health 
struggles. They don't discriminate. They can hit anyone. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're Messi or you're um, you're Ronaldo or you're just a regular Joe walking down the street. They can they can smack you in the face whether you like it or not. Um, yeah. Have you identified anything in particular that allows you to maximise or your mental well-being? Is it something simple, uh, simple like you going out and having a kick of the football or walking the dog um, or something like that that's just something you've implemented along the way that's made a big difference? Um, I used to meditate all the time. Uh, it used to help me a real lot. Yep. Um, I probably I probably haven't done it as much as I would have liked to just because my mind's so occupied with other things. But, yeah, at the moment it would be because I've been injured and not having the ability to kick the ball. More recently I've been able to go and kick the ball without too much pain in my leg or no pain at all. So that's been able to put a smile on my face. But, yeah, walking the dog, all of those all of those things, just going out and seeing the sun. Sometimes you get caught up at work and, you know, even just saying – um, I'm just going to go for a 10-minute 10, 10 walk, go see the sun, go clear my, my head for a little bit. I think all the little things count. Um, and it, aside from that, maybe just drinking water and making sure that I'm eating the right foods always helps my mentality anyway, my mental state. Beautiful, mate. Um, just the, uh, the last one. In terms of your mental health journey, if you could go back in time and give uh, a baby-faced 18-year-old Josh Baresi one piece of advice, um, before that first knee injury and sort of that, that journey you've been on, um, what would that piece of advice be? Um, another great question. <laughs> uh, I would say to, yeah, maybe not sweat the small stuff. Don't worry too much if you're, um, you know, if things aren't going your way, just try and try and be as positive as, as possible and as kind kind to everyone no matter what what sort of upsetting you or what you're going through everyone else is going through the same um or you know maybe some people are going through a lot worse so don't think that the you know the world's um big dark place you know the world's still got a lot to offer even if you're injured or you know maybe you're not exactly really happy at, at that point in time um i think just not to not to worry about it too much and just enjoy enjoy the process even if you're injured and enjoy as much as you possibly can take in as much as you possibly can well said mate um you are an absolute legend and i can't thank you enough for coming on the show today regardless of whether we see you on the pitch again or not i'm sure you'll be kicking goals um one thing i'm also sure about is that there's people listening at home just salivating at the thought of uh, getting their hands on some aj rose kit in time for christmas <laughs> so where can they go to uh to order some stocking fillers <laughs> uh, you can go on ajrose.co. Um, we've actually got a discount code at the moment. It's AJRXmas. Um, so yeah, if you wanted to get some stuff that's twenty percent off all items, it's excluding the shorts note because they're nice and new. So um, yeah, if you wanted to grab some AJ Rose stuff, you're more than welcome. There's also the Instagram AJ Rose clothing. Go for it. But um, aside from that. Tonjai, I really love what you're doing. I know that you're affecting thousands and thousands of people. And um, I know that when I listened in to a few podcasts that I've heard, they made me feel uh, less alone in my thoughts when I was in a, in a tough time. And I just wanted to say thank you to those people who spoke previously and um, yourself, Maddie, who's made this all, all happen for everyone and made that awareness to maybe feeling a bit down, even if it's not depression. Um, you know, everyone, everyone's here to help and offer a hand and et cetera. So thanks, mate. Appreciate it. 
Mate, I appreciate the feedback. You're an absolute legend. And um, before we go, just a, another thank you to my number one fan in Mauritius. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> See you, uh, Justin. Take care, mate. Bye. Bye.